This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, the pod pinhead, and joining me tonight is special guest... This is Brent from virginworlds.com and the Virgin Worlds Podcast, also known as the Prognosticator. That's right, and we are here tonight to discuss pages 363 through 366. Alright, page 363. Dude, where's my sword? Can you guess what that's a reference to? One of my favorite movies of all time. That's one of the interesting things about a lot of these titles that reference movies is that they don't actually necessarily reference movies that I've seen. They just reference kind of titles because I'm familiar with the titles and that's about all. There's some great one-liners in that movie, actually. Are there? Oh, you have to see the part where they go through the drive-in and they keep on trying to order Chinese food and no matter what they say, the lady keeps saying, and then, and then, and they're like, no more and then. (laughs) That reminds me of that old uh, audio sketch where the guy goes up and tries to order the hamburger. And he goes, uh, a, a double cheeseburger, onion rings, and a large orange drink, please. And there's silence for a moment. And then you hear someone come on. Uh, did, did, did you get my order? And it just goes on like that but until he finally loses it and drives off and causes a car accident. Very funny. I'm sure it's a lot funnier if you actually hear it than have me just describing it to you right now. It sounds similar. It, yeah, it sounds like one might have inspired the other. And then? And then? And then we talk about the page. So Mika is getting dressed and getting ready to go out to see the mayor, Mayor McCheese, with Tresca, and kind of subconsciously reaches to, to grab her sword, and that's why she's able to grab things there. And it isn't until she reaches over and swings and misses that she realizes that her sword isn't there. So she looks over and takes a look and has to ask Tresca what happened. And Tresca kind of tries to explain it but sort of dodges it and you know says for the museum just really quick under her breath trying to not raise any questions because she's uncomfortable with this whole situation with what's happening with the town and their reception to Mika and this is kind of a prelude to it you haven't really gotten to see much of it you'll notice that the all the curtains are drawn I might have mentioned this in the last time that all the curtains are drawn outside because of course everyone's outside that's one of the reasons so Tresca's aware of all these people who are out there waiting to you know, bombard Mika with their adoration, but for now, Mika's still unaware of it, and so... Tell me about these little horns that Tresca's got on her hat. Oh, the little horns. Well, Tresca was originally sort of intended to be the kind of blonde Norse beauty, sort of like a Viking, and so that's just a little homage to the whole Viking heritage that uh, that was sort of in the design of her character. It didn't really pan out in terms of, like, being a big story point, although, like, I think I've said before that the kind of gods in near Tendra are sort of inspired by the Viking gods and the Hindu gods. So there are little elements of that, but by and large, that's just sort of like a little in-joke about Tresca being a Viking, and that's what the horns are. And so it's kind of like having a little alligator on your shirt or something that doesn't really mean anything. Gotcha. I think they look cool. Yeah, and it was supposed to be kind of like a cute little thing. It's like, here's, you know, cheerful thief girl, and she's got the little Viking horns on her helmet there. So Mika's depressed about losing her sword, and, you know, you can kind of understand it since she's had it since page, what, 100 or so, so 101, 102, and so it's been 150 pages that she's had it, or 250 pages that she's had it, and now she's lost it, and she's kind of bummed about that, but the sword was pretty banged up in the whole fight, and so Tresca promises to get her a new one, trying to be a little bit more cheerful, that's something that has kind of been weighing on my mind recently, is Tresca started out as this really cheerful character, and has not been so cheerful over the last, well, six to eight months of pages, and so I would like to bring her back to that point, although based on what's left, it's really not going to happen too much. So Mika opens the door, and we have the reaction shot of her looking at the crowd going, what the? 
even though you can't really see. You can see a little bit of it out there through the door, but I don't think anyone really noticed that in the in the forums while while they were discussing it. I didn't notice that until just now when you pointed it out. Yeah, if you if you look, and you know, it's one of the background things. Since I don't do the backgrounds in the line art like I do all the main characters, you could be forgiven for thinking it was maybe snow or stones or something like that. But yeah, that's kind of people that have been illuminated by the bright light outside, so you can only see little bits and pieces of their bodies. And and yes, they did ask to actually have the sword for the museum, and that was something that gets discussed in the next scene. But yeah, they basically you said, hey, can we have that sword that she had? Because you remember a lot of people saw Mika coming back into town. And so there was, you know, and, and when that scene, when Tresca meets Mika as she comes back, you can see there are people in the background and they see this girl walking into town covered in blood, dragging the sword behind her. And they're going, what happened? And then rumor starts to spread. And so now they've amassed on page 364, for the horde. A good World Warcraft reference. Yeah, hopefully most people understood what that was a reference to. And I know that People mentioned it in the forums, so I know that at least there were some people, and though some people think it's cultural imperialism, and so how dare I make references to things that are popular in America. The first thing that I was thinking about when I looked at this, the Horde page, the Horde panel, mm -hmm. is, and I actually thought about this the very first time I looked at it, I was like, how much thought does Brennan put into the hairdos on the back of each one of those heads that he draws? Not that much. It's difficult coming up with a bunch of different hairdos, actually. That's where I was going with that, yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know, maybe it would be useful for me to go get a, a fashion book or something and just look through it and see what kind of hair people have. But you'll notice that people sort of have similar hair. Like you've got a couple of people with hair sort of like Tresca's with either pointier or less pointy. And you got some people with longer sort of girly hair. But it, it's difficult coming up with variety on that. And then there are a few people have hats. I probably should have put more hats on people because that would have saved me the trouble of coming up with as much hair as I had to. I wish my hair was pointy. It would be kind of nice. I mean, I guess you could do it with enough gel, but it gets expensive after a mm -hmm. while. And so, and the colors outside are a little bit different too. You can you can't really see it in the previous page, but in this page, the first panel has a, a slightly different color sort of scheme going on than the next pages, which are still inside for the most part and have the inside lighting, but the outside has sort of a, a brighter, less saturated kind of morning light. And so, all these people are there to uh, worship and cheer about Mika and. The, the whole description of what the Lady Nia thing is is going to come up in, well, I guess, the next page, page 273, next page from when we're recording this. And so that's when that's going to start to get explained. And that was a reference that was way, 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 way back when Mika and Tresca and Evan were traveling along, and Tresca was mentioning some of the gods from near Tendra, and Nia was one of them. And fortunately, there were a few people who had read it carefully enough to, to remember that when this came up. And so Mika falls back... And she's kind of in a panic now. One of the things with about Mika's character is that she doesn't really want attention from a large number of people. She really only just wants attention from Tresca. And so having a bunch of people all want to get to know her is really kind of the most terrifying thing she could deal with, especially on top of the whole she went out and tried to kill herself and it didn't work. And so and now she's got not only has, does she have to deal with that, and she has to deal with the fact that Tresca read the letter, and now she's also got to deal with all these people who decided that she's a goddess. And, you know, how's she going to deal with that? And of course, Annika here is just loving every minute of it because of the absurdity of the whole situation. She doesn't believe for a second that Mika's a goddess, but everyone in town has sort of decided that she is. That's a pretty great expression on her face there. On Annika's face? On Action, both of them. I, I like Annika. Annika sort of does the smirks that Sydney does, kind mm -hmm. of, except that she's not as pure evil as Sydney is. She, she does kill a lot of people, but she kills them for, for a reason. Yeah, she uh, she does sport a very similar facial expression set, and I I like both of them a lot. 
Yeah, it's a shame that I don't get to use Annika as, as much as I'd like to because she's just not that central to the story, at least you know, not now. So having having her around is kind of like I wish I had more opportunities to, to put her in, but she's only so relevant. And since Evan's the person who's kind of managing who goes where and what are they going to do next and all that stuff, he's generally the person who's coming in every 20 pages or so and says, okay, now we're going to do this. But Annika just kind of does her own thing while Evan runs off and does business, and then he comes home and she fucks his brains out. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, it's not a bad bad uh, deal for him or her, I guess. And Tresca says she's going to explain later what the Nia thing is. And, of course, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, you'll be getting that in uh, two days or so. You'll be getting the beginning of that. And any more comments on this page? Uh, You know, no. Yeah. I'm going to save for the next page. But you said you had something that you wanted to talk about on the next page. So let's, through page 365, face the world. What do you have to say about it? I mean, what's going on with the boobs on this page? I mean, they're huge. Holy crap. I mean, they just went out of control. I mean, it happened on panel three in the last page, too. <laughs> but I mean, I just noticed, you know. They're enormous. They're, they're like totally bigger than their heads. Oh, wait. No, have... they're not. <laughs> you must have been having a good day. Yeah, I guess. I didn't feel that Mika's breasts have gotten a little too big. And so if you look in some of the pages since then i think this was actually after you gave me crap about it but <laughs> that i started to tone it down because you know they have gotten a little too big especially for mika tresca is supposed to have reasonably large breasts but mika should not and so in some of the more recent pages if you look they're a little bit more in control yeah in more seriousness uh, one of the things i like on this page is the handhold frame mm-hmm. because you know if i was and i'm not a comic drawer you know obviously i've I've made my plans for my stick figure comic, webcomic, you know, but the uh, the hand-holding bit, I, I would have never thought to put something like that in the middle of a page like that, because I mean, it's a whole panel, and there's, and there's not a lot to it, but it just, it really works, and it's, it surprises me when I get to the panel, I'm like, oh, that's a nice touch. So, I mean, I, don't, I just can't imagine how you go through the thought process to figure out, well, what do I want to get through this panel, and know that that's what is going to take to get across what you want. Yeah, well, this part of this is that their roles have been kind of flipping back and forth a little bit over the last 40 pages or so, where, you know, originally Tresca was kind of supporting Mika, and then we had the news about the Durad coming, and Mika sort of ended up supporting Tresca, although she didn't really do a very good job of it. Tresca needed Mika's support, but she wasn't really getting it. And in this case, now the situations are reversed again, where now Tresca is kind of the one who's sort of in control. The, the thing with the Durad has kind of been dealt with for the time being, and now Mika's the one who needs help, and so yeah, she kind of hides behind Tresca, and Tresca picks up on the fact that Mika is not completely thrilled at this whole idea of, of what's going on in all these people. And so and so it's partly kind of Tresca offering her hand and Mika also you know, grabbing for her hand, too. So it's a little bit of a mutual thing there. And Tresca, again, kind of being proactive, too, because over the last what, 20 or 30 pages since the Durad news came out, she hasn't really done much. She sort of sat around and moped. And so this is sort of the beginning of her coming back into her traditional role of sort of being Mika's protector a little bit, even though, you know, in a practical sense, Mika doesn't really need protection all that much anymore. At least, you know, she's not going to have people, like, coming up and beating the crap out of her. But it's sort of emotionally and just kind of personally, she needs someone else to to sort of stand as a go-between between her and the world. And so that's what Tresca's coming back into that role again. Kind of similar to the way that she did when Mika was dealing with the the guy in the bar, you know, where Tresca was kind of having to, to goad Mika into saying, well, you know, what are you going to do about this? Are you going to, are you going to go up and talk to that guy? Or are you just going to let him beat up on his wife some more? Is there any reference with the face of the world that I'm not catching? No, that's, that's not a reference to much of anything. That was, I think that was one of those titles where I had to come up with something and I didn't have a witty pun to make. 
for that page, and so I just decided that, that was what I was going to do. And let's see, and you can start to see again the same color scheme from the previous page in the first panel coming into the last panel on this page, page 365, when they head out into the outside and the light is slightly different. And I'll talk about that a little more on the next page too. Everything else to say on this one? No, except for that if you actually did a page every single day, it would have taken you a whole year to get to this page. It would have. It would have taken a whole long time. And so it's kind of nice because I can lord it over all the people who think they're hot shit and haven't gotten out 100 pages yet. Yeah, it's a lot of pages. Okay, page 366, your adoring fans. This also is not a reference to anything in particular. And so chatter from the people as Mika and Tresco walk out. And originally, I think there were only a couple of other lines that I had in the script that I, that I left out. Someone was going to say, you know, would you bless our baby or something along those lines, which I left out mainly because I already had enough chatter and also because it didn't make much sense to be adding asking the goddess of death to bless your baby. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Annika looks evil on this page. Does she? Yeah. I, I think she's just sort of enjoying watching Mika uncomfortable. She likes seeing people in uh, in situations that they're not super thrilled about. And so Evan is, of course, pissed off because he doesn't like to see Mika getting this reception. And, you know, and really, Evan's probably the only person in this entire little scenario who's actually on the right track. Maybe Tresca, too, but she hasn't really had taken a stand one way or the other. But everyone seems to be really getting on Evan's case for being such a jerk. But really, the whole idea is that Evan's the person who's basically saying what people should be saying, which is that, you know, what you did was wrong. And, you know, you should not have gone out and killed 200 people in, in basically cold blood. He's never struck me as a jerk, really. He hasn't. I don't know. People seem to... It's one of those situations where people will support whatever the protagonist does, even if it's wrong. And that's one of the things about Falcon Twin, is a lot of what Mika does is wrong, and people still seem to kind of support it. And that's why some of the stuff she does is so over-the-top, because it has to... You know, I have to really push it really, really, really hard before people finally get it through their heads that uh, I can't really get behind this. This is definitely not something she should have done. And so even when you know, Meek has done something that's definitely wrong and Evan gets on her case about it, people still think that Evan's a jerk because you know whatever Mika does is right because she's a protagonist. Right. And let's see what's yeah, I can't get over the expression on Annika's face there. It's just, it's so authentic. You know, it really yeah. conveys her personality and the confidence that she's got. That's her. She's got a whole different thing going on where she just kind of likes to sit back and watch other people in bizarre situations and less, you know, more so if she can avoid actually being involved in them herself. And that facial expression conveys that perfectly, I think. Thank you. And the color thing, I said I was going to talk about the color thing on this page. A lot of people seem to think that the whole color change from the previous pages into this page and then into the next scene represents some sort of migration back to the color scheme of the of the earlier pages where they were black and white. And that isn't the case. It's mainly just the lighting thing where in this scene, the, the colors are a little bit more washed out because it doesn't have the warm interior lighting that you would get from the inside of Tresca's house. And then in the next scene, which I guess I should probably talk about in the next podcast, but I'll talk about it here. The lighting is kind of similar to the scene where Mika leaves Tresca's house to go out and prepare to go fight the Durad. And so the lighting, I think, is pretty much exactly the same, maybe a little bit more red slash pinkish tinted. And so it wasn't really any sort of symbolic thing about it's, you know, coming full circle, but it's really just uh, different lighting for different scenes. How do you go about mapping that out when you're doing it? Because it seems like you would almost have to lay all these panels out in front of you and sort of look at them 
as you know, lay a model on the floor in front of you and see the different change in light and tones from scene to scene. I mean, how do you go about doing that, making sense of it? Uh, well, as far as the, do you mean as far as the lighting or the color? Well, both, I guess. Both. Anything that's trying to set the mood, like you're talking about right now, where it's whether it's lighting or whether it's the overall hues that you're using. How, I mean, how do you go about planning that or, or making sure that it all ties together, like in the way that you just described? Well, the lighting, I have to sort of think about ahead of time in the sense that I say, well, you know, okay, they're in Tresca's house, like the scene that was just past where Mika was waking up, which is a good example of where it doesn't always work, where I was saying, okay, well, Mika's waking up in Tresca's house. It's before dawn, and the light is coming in mainly through the kitchen, where if they do have a window open, that's probably where it's going to be, because people can't see in to see Mika. And so that's why the light is kind of coming from Mika's right, you know, your left as you're looking at her. And so that's where I, you know, I sort of decide, okay, well, where are the light sources in this scene? Usually I throw in a little bit of background light. Like if you look at Tresca's face and panel three of this page, you can see a, a sort of on her left cheek, you can see a little bit of light there. It doesn't correspond to any actual light. It just makes the, the shape of the face a little more clear. Right. But so, yeah, so I decide the main light source, what that's going to be. Then, you know, I shade everything. I do everything in grayscale when I'm doing all the characters and all the clothes and all the backgrounds. I do all that in grayscale, and then when I'm done, at the very, the final step is I go on and I add the color, and I do a couple of different layers. I do one layer, which is a color balance layer. What that does is that takes the entire image and says, okay, well, the bright areas of the image are going to be sort of pushed in a reddish direction, and the dark areas are going to be pushed in kind of a bluish direction. And generally speaking, it's usually red and blue because those are the only ones that seem to look not too kooky. I mean, in this case, a little more purple in the dark areas. Uh, and if and if I go too far, like in the scenes where it's almost completely grayscale, like when Mika's out in the snow or when they're in the office, then I also have to actually add color to the the skin so that it, it looks like a skin color. Otherwise, I just let the color balance layer do that. And then I have a bunch of predefined colors for all the different parts of their costumes. So Mika's vest has a, you know, a red color, and then her shirt has a blue color. And those I just have saved as presets in Photoshop. It looks like it would be difficult to draw that final panel that you've got because the perspective is so out of the ordinary. It is, and that's, if you look at Falcon Twin, a lot of the panels are just sort of straight on pictures of faces because that's easier to memorize, unfortunately. And that's not really not the way I should be doing it, but that's the way I do it because it's kind of the path of least resistance, and I'm not getting paid for it. But yeah, but a panel like that is a little more difficult, although in a way it also is kind of easier because I don't have to shade any faces. And faces tend to take a really long time. I mean, it takes me as long to do the faces and the skin on all the characters in this panel as it does to do all of the clothing and that kind of stuff. And so the the skin and the faces take so long that if I actually can avoid doing them, it, it sort of ends up saving me a little bit of time, even if the perspective is sort of kooky. And then all the people are, I did in Photoshop. Mika and Tresca were done in line art, and then all the people were done in Photoshop, which is usually fairly easy to tell what parts were done in Photoshop and what parts weren't, because parts that were done in Photoshop usually look like they're out of focus or something. So in panels uh, one and three, those are done in Photoshop, the background characters? That's right, yeah. And then also, yeah, and all the guys in panel four, too, that besides Mika and Tresca, are all done in Photoshop. Interesting. As a complete, you know, Photoshop, you know, noob, I find that all quite fascinating, so sorry to ask the questions, but... No, it's it's good to have someone actually ask because otherwise I don't know what to talk about and let's see what else I guess that was it page 366 so I guess that's it is there anything else you want to talk about no okay well thank you for coming on it was good to have someone on and 
since I've been on your show multiple times, it seems like the least I could do is return the favor and have you on the Falcon Twin show, which is perhaps a kind of a dubious distinction. Well, I hope I asked some insightful and pressing questions in order to, you know, get you to flesh it out a little bit more. Yes, and, and thank you for asking questions because, you know, the funny thing is no one ever asks questions, which is why if you have questions or comments, people, you can email them to me. And please do via the link on the homepage. Or you can send me a voicemail with the Send Me an Audio button on the podcast page, which no one has used yet. Or you can post something in the forums. And, you know, if you want me to talk about something on the podcast, say so. Say, answer this on the podcast if you want to. And I will probably do so, unless it's completely retarded. And it has to be pretty retarded for me not to answer it on the show. I'm going to go punch that audio button right now and leave you a message. Please do so. At least then I'll have something to play. Nobody ever leaves me Skype messages either, so don't feel too bad. They don't, although that... One Hero Online review was really nice. Yes. So if, if someone wants to review another webcomic and say how much they really, really suck, like, for instance, say that there's a webcomic out there that doesn't actually draw stuff. Maybe they just use clip art, and they have the same drawings every day, day in and day out, and they never change anything at all except for the words. You know, it, it just seems to me that maybe a comic where the drawings are always the same is more like a fancy blog template. But that's just me. You know, I saw a really creative uh, webcomic lately that was really not really a, a real webcomic, but it was sort of a, a test run for some humor, mm-hmm. and it was on a website called uh, AgroMe, and you probably are familiar with that. Yeah. And AgroMe, he's a blogger that writes about EverQuest 2, agrome.blogspot.com is I guess where it is, and he actually did a bunch of comic strips just for comedy's sake. And he used little stuffed animals and took pictures of them and arranged them. Oh, really? In panels, and then you know wrote little captions on them and stuff. I mean, he actually used you know stuffed animals. <laughs> and uh, it sounds crazy, but it was actually quite effective, and it was it was comical. I thought it was you know pretty creative of him. How recently was this? This would have been, oh, I would say probably two to three months ago. Two to three months ago. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back through his archives. It's not right on his front page, so. But I'll go back through his archives and check that out. And, you know, anyone who is listening and is an MMO player should probably be reading Agbrumi because it's a pretty good blog. Oh, yeah. It's one of the best. Yeah. Okay. Well, that wraps it up. And let's see. This is, yeah, this is going to be relatively short. So, good. You can get back to editing the monster podcast that you have to edit. Yes. Only two more hours to go. Two more hours of time, which means probably about eight more hours of editing. Yeah. uh, The joys of podcasting. Oh, yes. Okay. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Thank you very much for being on. And close it out. Some of the music provided tonight was from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. Brent, would you like to do the honors? So there. <laughs>